Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The FIFA Women's World Cup 2015. Brought to you by the Offside Rule and Audio Boom. Hello and welcome to another Women's World Cup podcast out here in Canada where Kate Borsay and I will be reporting from Montreal for the final time because we've learned that England are progressing to the knockout stages to face Norway in Ottawa, which means we're on the road as well. We are. We're thinking about driving it, aren't we, Linz? We've had a lot of conversations today. In fact, before today, we absolutely fried our brains with all the different possibilities should England finish first, second or third. We know where we are now. And in fact, Ottawa is only a couple of hours hours by car away from where we are now in Montreal. So unlike most places in Canada, you can drive there. It does take less than seven hours. This is something quite unique we are finding. <laughs> um, let's just look back on England's group stages then, because it's it's been an interesting journey. Many would say that France, the tactic's slightly wrong because Mark Sampson lining up to potentially get a draw there um, and France taking all three points. Uh, the game against Mexico restored some faith. Uh, we saw some individual brilliant performances and um, Frank Kirby who uh, got player of the match in in that game was much talked about afterwards and then a real brilliant team performance against Colombia to get the runners up spot that they wanted um, what do we think this has sent out in terms of messages to the rest of the opponents forthcoming well, they don't know what to expect in terms of team lineup, do they? Because Mark Sampson's tinkered with his team in every game thus far. In fact, apart from the goalies, every outfield player basically has seen some minutes on the pitch for England. We saw Leanne Sardis and Jolie Taylor um, and um, Joe Potter today come on. So it's been great to see all the players. And, of course, that's to ram home Mark Sampson's point that everyone is fit now. It was good to see Jordan Nobbs start today. I like Karen Carney starting as well. I think it shows that we do have attacking force there we looked nervous in the first part of the game against Mexico we never really settled against France at all I thought that they just kind of played with us a little bit a bit like a cat might might sort of play with a mouse so then for Colombia to get that result against France completely shocked us because we were like well perhaps they were wanting to lose against Colombia. Are they trying to throw Group F, which sent us into a big tiz, really, didn't it? We've also seen Mark Sampson go with different formations, a 4-4-2, a 4-3-3, and then a 4-3-2-1, and you've sort of got this diamond midfield. Yes, that shows versatility. Are we now at the point, though, where we need some consistency and the players need to know who's playing with whom in order to get that level that you're needed against better opposition? No, is my answer to that. I think the players are used to playing with each other. I think the players are used to playing with whoever is with them. It isn't like the England men's team where for quite a long period of time there was very much a set team. Um, The team used to pick itself That was the phrase often used by the media. This England team isn't like that. You've got a couple of standout players. You've got a great back line. Yes, you'd put Farrah Williams in. Yes, you'd put Frank Kirby in. Um, Yes, you'd put a couple of those defenders in. But apart from that, I think it's good that he can chop and change. And he needs to because these plastic pitches are wearing our players out. A lot of the players suffering from heavy legs, particularly heavy knees. I know that Eni Aluko didn't play today. Those pitches are taking their toll, but they're taking their toll on the players across the board, aren't they? So it is a level play field. Let, let's move this on then and, and talk about Norway as potential opponents because coming runners up 
was seen to be favourable in terms of how England might progress. But I think this next test is going to be the biggest because Norway aren't a rollover. We saw that against Germany. Yeah, we certainly did. That was a draw between both sides. And remember that Mielder free kick, wonderful one, perhaps the the free kick of the tournament so far. We know that Norway have got it in them. Um, They were great against Germany, not so good in their next game. And I think... God, it's, it's a bit like England, really. It depends what kind of Norway turn up. What I like about Norway is they've got a World Cup win under their belt already. There's a, there's a big t- tradition in that side to step up for the bigger performances. Yes, they haven't done it in the last few tournaments, but they're kind of out to avenge that. I think, it's, I think, I think Norway feels that it's time that their football team, their women's football team, found their feet again and really displayed some of the success that they used to. Well, we will be looking to our attacking players, I think, when it comes to Norway, because breaking down their defences, we saw against Germany, they can be stalwart. So we'll be looking to the likes of Tony Duggan and hoping that Enia Luko is is back to full fitness. Um, and Frank Kirby, who's been deemed the mini Messi of this mm-hmm. tournament. And we know from speaking to her and some of the, the England teammates that she's actually got quite a bit of attention as, as they came away from the Mexico game. She was signing a lot of autographs. So it's great to see that there's a lot of uptake on different players around this World Cup. In fact, when England arrived in Montreal, where we are now, as we said, they um, arrived at the airport and Fran was inundated by requests for her autograph, so much so that the team bus had to wait for Fran. Love that. <laughs> well, this is what else is coming up in this podcast, because we're not just talking England fallout. Uh, we're going to hear from an England player. Tony Duggan has got her quick fire questions. And also I'm going to speak to Kim Little from Seattle Sound who used to be a teammate of quite a few of the England team playing for Arsenal ladies, has since gone out to Seattle Sounders and been shortlisted for um, Footballer of the Year. So in some great form herself, she must be frustrated watching from the sidelines all the World Cup action. I'll ask her about that. Uh, That's coming up later. Make sure you visit the Women's World Cup channel on Audio Boom for exclusive tournament content. We are going to start, though, with group surprise and group goodbyes. That's going to be our first topic. Um, so what I would like from you, Kate Borsay, uh, teams that you think perhaps have overachieved um, and a team that's going home that that maybe was expected to do a bit better at this World Cup. Uh, well, I've gone for a couple of teams, one of whom is ranked 28th in the world and one of whom is ranked 14th. The 14th place team are going home, Spain. We expected, particularly when you look at Spanish football on the world stage, we expected good things, but I wondered if they might freeze under the big spotlight of the world stage, and they did. Um, A draw against Costa Rica. They were 1-0 losers against Brazil. Not a bad outing, really, for them. 2-1 losers um, on day 12 against South Korea. And when you look at the players in that Spanish team, Vicky Lozada, Natalia Baquette as well, who was one of those nominees for World Player of the Year, I think they perhaps could have done a little bit better. I think perhaps... Perhaps a little bit more uh, time together for the players and perhaps another couple of outings in major tournaments. We'll see Spain come good. Well, I've gone for a team that we're saying goodbye to and it is no surprise from the first game. They have conceded many goals this tournament. In fact, 17 overall and a goal difference of minus 16. It wasn't good reading for Ecuador. And we've talked about narrow margins between a lot of the major nations now um, in this World Cup tournament. But Ecuador were the drubbing ladies there for everyone to take advantage of. Um, They lost 10-1 to Switzerland, 6-0 to Cameroon. And maybe the most impressive thing they can take away is that 
only lost by one goal to the current reigning champions, Japan. But Ecuador really, in this competition, did anyone ever take them that seriously? Um, We saw some press about their 26-year-old coach. There were some nice stories there, but they were never going to go past this group stage. Another debutante in this World Cup, but one who I am saying, surprise! (laughs) And in fact, I chose Spain for the goodbye. This team are ranked um, 14 places below Spain. It's Colombia. Uh, We've seen a lot of them, haven't we, in Group F? But for me, they sprung the surprise result of the tournament with that 2-0 win against France they were very respectable today I have to say England luckily got the better of them but where Colombia excel is in their attacking force they've got some great upfront players Daniela Montoya being one of them and um, she scored that great goal against uh, Mexico to level that in the final minutes of the game today Lady Andrada she's magic with the ball at her feet she's brilliant and Rincon as well she actually came off for Colombia today which, which I was a bit surprised by I shouldn't have to be injured but they've got some very technically talented players and what makes them a surprise what makes them lovely is the amount of support I was I was taken aback actually today Lindsay by the volume and the jubilation of the Columbia fans even when things weren't going their way in fact if you're on the Audio Boom channel, do listen. We've got some very short 10, 15 second clips on there of the Columbia fans. And it just brings a smile to your face listening to them. There's one thing that they have in common with the men's team and the women's team is that the Columbia fans I really have taken to my heart. Uh, we were out in Brazil last summer at the men's tournament. We love Colombia, didn't we? Um, in fact, I was at the Maracanã to see the Uruguay-Colombia game and was in amongst the Colombia fans. It's a real party. And it was exactly the same here in Montreal at the Olympic Stadium. Um, it was a sea of yellow. Didn't help that there were yellow seats in the stadium either. I think England, <laughs> when they looked up, must have felt quite daunted. Uh, they were making a lot of noise as well. Um, and dressed for the occasion, we had some brilliant pictures. I th- they they actually also took it in in great stead, didn't they? When they lost, and um, and we're coming up to a lot of the English media and English fans at the end and congratulating us. They're the kind of team who aren't afraid to boo the referee as the referee's walking off or heckle Farrah Williams as she's about to take a penalty. But after that's done, seconds later, they're back to normal, back to their lovely selves. I get you. Uh, My group's surprise, Cameroon. Uh, They finished runners-up in Group C and are only the second African nation to progress beyond the group stages. That's after Nigeria some years ago. So well done, Cameroon. They are flying the African flag. They scored nine goals so far in this tournament and you know what they almost almost got a point from the world champions Japan and that was a very close game a 2-1 win over Switzerland was when I thought they were the most impressive um, because we don't really count the 6-0 drubbing of Ecuador please see my earlier comment about group goodbyes (laughs) Um, that will do us for there Kate Borsay let's hear from Tony Duggan now you spoke to her and you gave her some quick fire questions Hi, I'm Leanne Simonson. I'm loving being out in Canada for the 2015 Women's World Cup with the offside rule. We get it. Tony Duggan, this is your quickfire questions. Favourite meal you've had so far? Sweet and sour chicken. Something you didn't know about Canada? Everyone speaks French. <laughs> Who's the early bird? Casey Stoney, to speak with the kids. <laughs> Who trains the hardest? Casey Stoney again. <laughs> Who's the most bothered about what they look like on the pitch? On the pitch, um, I'd say Alex Greenwood or Claire Rafferty. Do you realise that most people have been saying you, right? Really? <laughs> 
That doesn't surprise me. Who forgets to call home? Any. Any's quite bad at that. Who's got the best celebration dance, not on the pitch, but off the pitch? Jill Scott. She comes out with all these crazy things, them big gangly arms. <laughs> Favourite player for another team? I think Nassib's quality for France. Most fashionable women in football? Do you know that Jill Scott said that this this was you? Wow, that's a big compliment. I remember Stephanie Ross, Ross went to the um, awards. Her dress was nice, so I'll go with her for now. Best good luck message you've had? My little cousin who's back home, his little sister, his sister's here, so he hasn't had a chance to come, but he sent me a banner saying good luck, Tony, which was nice. Who's the most likely in your team to go on and be a manager? Farrah Williams. Any job outside football, what would you do? Be a singer. <laughs> Particular style? Any, I'm just throwing it out there. I've never said that before. <laughs> I just quite like this microphone here. Anytime you want to burst into song, Tony, that's fine by us. Um, if you could get tickets to any sporting event in the world, what would you choose? World Cup final, England v Brazil. Wicked. Thank you very much. Get the latest interviews and news from the Women's World Cup at audioboom.com. Regular listeners to this podcast will know that it's Kate Borsetti who usually does all of the accents, but chicken, I actually I actually do quite a good scouse, as you discovered the other night, as we uh, we go a little delirious on uh, on evenings, because we have to stay up quite late to do these roundups and other bits and pieces on our schedule. Uh, we will be hearing from Kim Little as well, uh, out in Seattle, playing for Seattle Sounders. Uh, she joined me over the phone earlier today, and um, we'll have that coming up. But first, Kate Borsetti and I are going to discuss the rising stock of some players now women's football a lot of people when I think about questions that I'm asked um, hosting a women's football show the most often one of them is how much do female footballers earn well that varies across the globe I should say in England the figure of around £65,000 for for your professionals and your England captains for instance like Steph Horton is probably around about the figure with endorsements but around the world it rises much bigger than that. Um, one of our colleague journalists out here at the moment, actually, Alistair McGowan, who works for the BBC, he's done an article saying that the likes of Alex Morgan, who plays for the USA, can earn anywhere between two and three million dollars. Um, that's in endorsements mainly. Um, but it has got us thinking about this World Cup and the sort of shop window it provides. Players that stock are on the rise. But a couple of players each, please, who we think will be come next World Cup or next European Championships, uh, really earning the bucks. All right, well, I'm going to start with the US player, Sydney LaRue. I love Sydney LaRue. She's my new favourite player for the US anyway. Um, can I actually utter the words girl crush? <laughs> <laughs> um, she's brilliant. Um, her figures, well, earning-wise, her salary... I'm getting different figures. Something between sixty and ninety-two and a half thousand dollars. She actually started out at the Vancouver Whitecaps. She's Canadian. That's right. Whisper it, folks. She's Canadian, but she defected to the U.S. She was the 2011 W League Rookie of the Year. Um, she joined, joined Boston Breakers in 2013, actually, um, and then uh, changed her allegiance. A lot of fans criticising her for that. She's an Olympic gold medalist. She's played in all three Women's World Cup matches over here, and that really. Really, coupled with um, the way that she looks great, the way that she plays great, she's a great talisman for the US team, means that for me, her stock is only going to get higher. 
Yeah, I have noticed Kate Borsa, you follow her on Instagram, uh, liking those pictures. Um, Amandine Henri of France is my choice. Um, a midfielder, just 25 years old for France, uh, plays for Lyon at the moment. Now, her earnings, again, this is rough, but $70,000 in that area. Um, she's one of the, the most well-earning players in France. Um, started out at Club OSM Lom. Um, 43 international caps for France, four international goals, and um, a woman of the moment because she actually scored France's last goal in the 80th minute against Mexico. So 5-0 win. She's literally just been on the score sheet. So um, quite timely to be discussing her as one to watch. Um, I've got a player who's 30 years old. So whether her stock is on the rise could be questionable, but she's certainly someone to look out for. And in fact, she is already the highest paid uh, Swedish player in women's football over there. Um, Nilla Fischer, she plays for Wolfsburg, actually, one of those uh, big German clubs. And I think for her, if she continues to play well, she is she's a defensive midfielder and I think actually um, when she plays for Sweden she does play that defensive role more Um, she's obviously got a bigger lifespan in the game which is why I've chosen her as someone with the the uh, potential to earn more. Her earnings are around sixty-seven and a half thousand US dollars. Um, she had a standout Euros a couple of years ago in two thousand thirteen. Uh, she won the silver boot. Um, in that tournament Um, and that's what really propelled her I guess onto the world stage as one of the world's key players out here in Canada she's played all three of Sweden's matches she scored a goal too in fact she's played every single minute so far for Sweden so she's reliable she puts the game time in for you and she's very talented I'll finish off with a goalkeeper shall I and she's only young 20 years old plays for Mexico so you may be familiar with her because she was between the sticks against England in Group F. Uh, Cecilia Santiago, about $30,000. But for a 20-year-old, I'm trying to think back of what I earned when I was 20. That's not too bad for professional sport. Um, With more to come, uh, played for Boston Breakers in 2013 in the American League. She was the youngest player at the 2008 Under-20 World Cup in Chile. And she was aged just 14, representing Mexico then. 14 years old uh, to be in an Under-20 World Cup. I'm picking her because I of her age and because actually she's shown much promise despite letting in five <laughs> goals against France I can tell you she's made 10 saves this tournament at Mexico going home but looking at some of the saves she made I thought her judgment was pretty on cue uh, she was quick to run out she was very confident at collecting the ball in the air um, her kicking looked to be fine from from what I witnessed in the England game so an all-round goalkeeper and we know that goalkeepers can go on to have careers past 40 so she's got 20 years of earning potential there we go road to canada our women's world cup magazine available online at offsiderulepodcast.com well before we love and leave you for another women's world cup podcast special uh, a reminder that you can go to audioboom.com they've got a women's world cup channel see all of our audio. Uh, Kate Borsay has been taking notes as to how much we've been getting. Yes, 27 posts from England versus Colombia. So I think we can give ourselves a very big pat on the back for that. Well, just before we go, um, earlier today, I spoke over the phone with Kim Little, who plays for Seattle Sounders, plays for Scotland as well. Um, not part of this World Cup, brilliant player who's taking it all in, I'm sure. Um, and I wanted to ask her all about what she's thought so far. The female take on football. 
Well, I'm pleased to say that I'm joined by Kim Little over the phone. Now, Kim, you're in Seattle at the moment, but I understand that you watched USA yesterday. Yeah, that's right. We travelled up yesterday to Vancouver from Seattle to watch um, the USA v Nigeria. Now, that's your current lot of teammates who you'll have been showing some support to. Uh, what did you make of their performance? Yeah, we, we went up to support um, Pino in Hope and in Vancouver. And yeah, I think um, it was a good win for the USA. Um, they obviously topped their group. I think um, there's still a lot more to come from them. Um, I don't think they've quite hit, you know, hit the round running yet. But um, yeah, it was, you know, obviously a great win. It does look for USA like they've come out the other side now and could have a, an easier side of the draw. Yeah, I think their um, last 16 match and then into uh, the quarterfinals seems like it's you know an easier side of the draw, but you never know in the World Cup. But, um, I'm sure all the games going through into the knockout stage will be you know tough for any team. Have you watched the England match in Seattle? Yeah, I watched their last two matches. I didn't manage to see the, the first one. Um, I think today's performance was, especially the first half, was you know, a lot more fluid from them, which was sort of much better to watch, to be honest. Uh, you've mentioned about teams not really getting going yet. I think I think that's really across the board, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I've, I've not actually been able to watch Germany yet or, um, or Brazil, really. Um, from what I've heard of what people said, they said they're not really into their strike yet either. And I think especially with the USA, I think France and England, I think they've definitely not hit, hit their, their peak at all yet. And in terms of your own future, Kim, I mean, it's the summer season, transfers are happening. Are you thinking you're going to be staying put in the States? I'm not sure what I'm doing yet um, going on in the future. Um, I'm contracted with Seattle this year, um, but after that, um, it's kind of all up in the air right now, to be honest. So there could be a few more potential future teammates at this World Cup? Yeah, maybe. maybe. We wish you all the best and enjoy the rest of it. Thank you. You too. I hope you have safe travels all over Canada. Hi, I'm Karen Bardsley, and you're listening to the Offside Rule out in Canada at the Women's World Cup with Audio Boom. Great to hear from Kim Little, and you know what? I would not be surprised if she pops up playing Champions League football this summer. I've just got a bit of a hunch. Mm, do you know what? She's so talented. One of the big European clubs is going to come in for her. France, Germany, I don't know where it's going to be, but she'd be silly not to try that path, definitely. Um, We wish England all the best in their next match, and that's going to be in Ottawa against Norway. Um, We've got some more planning to do, so we're going to leave it there, but we'll be back with another one of these, so join us next time. The FIFA Women's World Cup 2015. Brought to you by the Offside Rule and Audio Boom. Podcast Network.